0: Good morning. Good morning. Well I've got a helper with me today. Uh, Cole is going to be joining us, Mr. Kessner. So if you can grab that pole over on the other side, we're gonna to try to pick up that pole and then set it inside that one and it'll it'll stop. It, yep, there you go. And well, I'm gonna to try to lean and do the same here. This is a good and tight. That was tighter than I thought it was. Okay, so what we're going to do today is we're going to have our own little marquee, a way for you to get an idea of what's going on. And so what we're going to do is we're going to discuss what actually happens in Luke chapter 15. So this is going to be the first thing that goes up there. That's just going to hook right on there. What is Luke 15 really all about? Okay, well, here we go. We've got an idea. Here's so that we got a that one. Didn't. Here we go. You got it. We'll go ahead and put it on. I think it, the story. Let's make sure I get this right, because we've done this before, right? We know it. The story of the story of the, the lost. No, no. you got to get that. Okay way to go, Vanna White. I said, you're going to be like Vanna White, no dress and no heels. And he looked at me and went, uh, no, 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 we're not going to have you that. So Luke chapter 15 is really the story of the lost son, right? You know, that just doesn't sound, I mean, we're in a church, I don't I don't think "story" is the word. Will you take "story" down? Will you take "story" down? I want to. That's not right. Let's. I want, let's use this. I think it's more like the, the, the parable of the lost son. You know, parable. It's a, It's Greek. It means to throw alongside. It's the earthly story with the heavenly meaning. So today we're going to talk about the parable of the lost son. So is everybody good with that? Well, you know what though, I don't want to leave out our good, nice King James folks, people. So grab the lost. Will you take the lost? Because that we like to to use this word when we talk about Luke chapter 15, and so it's really the parable of the 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 prodigal son. I, I think that really is is a lot better. I think that's you know what though. I think that word is kind of antiquated. Honestly, I, go take that back down. I don't really like that one because um, nobody walks around every day and says, Oh, let me tell you about, you know, my prodigal dog. Uh, you know, you wouldn't believe what he did. And so I don't think that really fits in. So for all of you authorized King James Version people, I appreciate that you like to use the word prodigal, but let's be honest, it really doesn't fit with our needs today. So we're going to stick with the parable of the lost son. Are we good with that? Okay, that, thanks. Thank you. Why aren't you shaking your head? Okay, so here we go. It can't be the parable of the lost son. But but let's not get there yet. Let's, let's throw it in here because we know that there's more than one. So how about this? The parable of the lost... There you go. The lost younger son. Now we've been specific enough. We know that the lost son is really the younger lost son. But... But you know what? The older brother, he doesn't like to refer to him in such a way. It's, it's really more like this. Go take off the sun. I think we should think about what Jesus is trying to say. That this is the parable of the lost brother. Because the Jews, they were supposed to see the other people who were lost not as just sons of God, but also as brothers. And that's what the older brother we talked about last week really didn't want to do. He says, this is your son. But Jesus is saying, hey, don't forget, you're not only sons, but that also means that you are brothers. But we know that it's not really about the younger brother, right? Go take the younger one down. Cole, you're supposed to know this. It's actually the parable of the lost older brother, right? Because when we looked last week, we realized that it wasn't really the younger one that was lost because he came back. It was really the older one. The parable of the lost older brother. Now we're good. Okay, so let's, let's go ahead and go on. I don't know that I... Oh, wait, no. There's, that really doesn't fit right. But he's not just a brother. He's the son. Don't, don't forget that. Don't forget that even though he's a brother who's lost, he's also a child of God. So we really could call this the parable of the lost older son, and then we have it. But wait, let's just to go ahead and cover our bases, let's just do this. How about take off, take off older son? And let's let's put this up instead. I think this really encompasses it all. We've got all the bases covered, and now we're good, okay? We, we've got this covered. We don't have to worry about younger or older or brother. We're just, the parable of the lost sons. Okay, do you feel good with this? I actually feel pretty good about this. In fact, this is what I want to um, submit to the NIV when they go and add another version. I want them to call it the parable of the lost sons. Why does no one think that I'm going to change this? That I'm going to keep this the same? Everybody's waiting. The reason why is because because I have one more up here. Because based on what really is going on, based on the context, this is not about lost or sons. This is Wait, I'm not going to do your job. Do your job. I brought you up here. I'm paying you nothing. So you should at least do something. This is it. Now let's just kind of, I want to make sure everybody gets the idea. There we go. Yeah, now we're talking. The parable of the Father. Now, now we're done. And I'll, I, I want to talk a little bit about that. Cole, thank you so much. I really appreciate your help. Well, you guys give him a hand? Thank you so much for your willingness to come up here and be my guinea pig. I, I want to talk today about the Father. But before we do that, we've, we've looked at this several times. You've probably read this dozens, if not hundreds of times. But I want to go one more time... Well, hopefully more than one more time. But for today, I want to look at it one more time. Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 11. We already know that Jesus is there. He's with uh, the Pharisees, and the ph- Pharisees are muttering uh, to themselves. He hangs around with sinners. And so Jesus is going to share three parables, the first being about a coin, the second being, I'm, I'm sorry, the first about a sheep, the second about a coin, and now He's going to talk about the parable of the lost son. So beginning in verse 11, we have this. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons, Now stop right here because I want you to listen up. I want you to imagine, think of every detail you can about the father. What do we know about the father based on this? Okay, here we go again. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided up His property between them. That's the end of verse 12. I'm summarizing 13 and following. The young man goes off. He spends his money. He squanders it. Uh, He ends up with the pigs. And when he comes to his senses, he says, I'm going to go back home. Verse 20, part B says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. This son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and, he was, and then found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, summarizing verse 25 and following, the older brother hears singing and dancing. He calls one of the servants and says, what's going on? And says, hey, uh, your your dad's uh, throwing a feast, throwing a party because your younger brother's back home and he refused to go in. So picking up now, we have verse Uh, 29, but he, I'm, I'm sorry, 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Verse 31, but my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. We had to celebrate and be glad because... This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. Okay, so backing up from the very beginning, what do we know about the father? From the very, Let's just get as basic as we can. Okay, we know that he had two sons. I'm just going to say, for the, the sake of, of my point that I want to make later on, he had multiple children. <laughs> He had more than one, okay? You are not the only child of God. This is an important point that we need to make because sometimes we get into ruts and we think that that God thinks the most important person on this earth is you and God says, you're not the only one. What else do we know about the Father? Well, we know that if He's going to give property, it means what? He owns property. He's, he's a property owner. We don't know if he's rich. We don't know what he has. We just know that he's going to give a third of it to his younger son who has demanded it. We know this. We know that the Father is giving. Now, I think we would add to that that he's giving to a fault. But we can at least say with certainty that He is a very generous person. We know this, and you can debate this if you want to, but I'm going to suggest today that He is a loving Father. I don't think that giving your kids things equates loving. But I think in this case, He is a loving Father. Sometimes the best way that you can love someone is to give. Sometimes the best ways that you can love is to withhold. Because you care for them and you know that in order for them to learn an important lesson, you have to allow them to earn it themselves. And I think this uh, is a little bit of the exception to what Luke 15 is talking about. But go with me here. I think he loves his children. I think we can also ascertain from Luke chapter 15 that the father is willing to be disgraced for his children. I want you to think about that not only in the context of Luke 15, but I also want you to expand that out and think of God and His willingness to be disgraced for His children. I think from Luke chapter 15 we learn that the Father wants to have a relationship with them. He wants His children home. And I think from Luke chapter 15 we learn that the Father is looking for the lost ones. I think the Father is forgiving in the way He took His Son back in. I think He's welcoming. I think the Father knows how to celebrate when something has been found. And I think He loves them all. He welcomed the younger son who had spent all the money in the far country. And in the same way, He invited and welcomed His older son back when He said, Come into the house. Everything that I have is yours. I think the Father is always inviting His children to come home whether they're just outside the door or they're in the far country, he says, come be in my house. I am your father and you are my child. I love to imagine this story. It's my favorite parable because it's so heartwarming. And I know it would have sounded different for the people who heard it in the Middle East thousands of years ago, but to me, this story has to take place on a West Texas ranch. It just, it has to. It's just how it fits so well. There's a big house in the middle of that ranch uh, that has a wrap-around porch on the front. A big, wooden, white wraparound porch. It's set on several acres in my mind's eye, and it's surrounded by a white, picket fence. And of course, if it's West Texas, there's a long driveway, and that driveway is made of caliche. I don't know where we got that word. I can't even spell it. But I know it's the white gravel stuff that is all over West Texas, and it's right here in this story. You can hear it crunching as footsteps walk and then run over it. The property there is surrounded by a big, white picket fence. And that long, caliche driveway leads right up to the front. On the porch is a rocking chair, and in the rocking chair is an old man, and in the hand of the old man is a cup of coffee, and in the coffee mug is one drop of cold water coffee that's left in the bottom. The man's eyes are fixed on the gate, and his heart is torn in pieces. He's not thinking about what he's lost financially, but he's worried about what his son is lost, and that his son is lost. And then one morning. Then one morning, he sees something coming around the corner. The head bobbing over the fence. He's looking down the driveway as he's done day after day after day. His eyes half the time watered from crying, half the time dry, because he just doesn't want to blink. And how many other times did he see somebody come through the gate and he thought, maybe this is it. But that morning, he sees a figure coming that way. It probably can't be a son because the hair is longer and dirty and matted. And there's a breeze blowing from behind this figure that's walking toward him and it brings in the aroma and I want to be as careful as I can when I try to describe this, because I'm not trying to be gross, but he's with the pigs. And pigs are gross. He smells like pig excrements. I'm, he smells like pig poop. That's what he smells like. I, I'm, not, I'm a city guy. I I don't really like the country, mainly because I have a terrible gag reflex, and the smell of pig poop is gross. It's awful, and it's demeaning, and it's disgusting, and it's the smell that enveloped this dirty, sinful man who had squandered everything. He reeked of pig poop. Now, I want to stop here for just a second. For all Everybody says, well, that's gross. We don't talk about that in church. It is gross. And I just want you to know something. If you think that pig poop is gross and smelly and we shouldn't be talking about it and it's, it's just abhorrent, I want you to know that's the way that Jesus is describing the sin of the Son. It's stinky, and it's gross, and we shouldn't have anything to do with it. And the boy is covered in it. And he smells like it. And he's walking up, rehearsing what he's going to say to his dad, trying not to gag on his own smell, realizing what he must look like as he's walking up that Caliche driveway. And the smell reaches the father's nostrils. And the father looks up. And he can make out the figure. He recognizes the walk, the gait of his son. And he sees that it's him. And he knows, he's heard stories of how the son lived and squandered the money. And then something really crazy happens. The old man jumps up. And I always picture that he jumps up so quickly that the the rocking chair falls backwards. And this little old man with his little old legs runs down the steps. He bounds down the steps and he begins to run in a way that he hasn't run in years and years. Which, by the way, in, in Middle Eastern society, the patriarch didn't do the running. But he did. I even imagine, that it probably didn't happen, but I still like to imagine it. It's just a story. But I like to imagine that he, he shed off his cloak so he could run faster and his little legs are going. And the younger son looks up and says, What? Oh, no. And the father running to him says, Oh, yes. And the f- my favorite part of this story, every time I imagine it, when the father starts to run, he starts doing this. And the son doesn't know what to think, but the father's running as fast as he can and he leaps on him. It says he wraps his arms around him around him and he begins to kiss him. He kisses, he forgives, he reinstates, and then he lavishes his son. Do you notice some of the things he begins ordering? The son is trying to say, oh, no, 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 just just let me be a hired servant. And the father interrupts. And he he makes an order. He orders four things. I want you to listen to the things that he orders. Not in this order, but he orders for the sandals. The sandal says, you're back home. I'm welcoming you. You can come in. You have a place for me. Uh, There is a place for you that I am offering. And you have sandals that says that I'm providing for you. He calls for a ring to be brought. A ring is just not a, a token of jewelry. What it really symbolized is that it would have had this seal on it. And to have that seal on that ring placed on your finger is much like... A groom placing a ring over the the bride that says, "You're mine. We are family." That's what that meant. It was almost like wedding bells, hearing, "You are mine. You're part of the family." And then he says this. He says, "Bring a robe," but he doesn't say, "Bring a robe." What does he say? Bring the what? The best robe. Who owns the best robe? Where is the best robe hanging? Tell me, where is it hanging? It's in the closet of the Father. The Father says, I will clothe you with My very best. He doesn't say, get some rags from the garage. He says, I am giving you My very best. And then he calls for one thing. He says, and go do what? Kill the fatted calf. The best that we have because it is time to celebrate. He throws a party so others can celebrate too. I kind of picked on this word a little earlier mainly because we don't use this word very often. In fact, I think most of us would struggle to to really define what this word is. And so I want to argue today that prodigal belongs in the title, but not where you think it would. Timothy Keller writes a book, I've been using it uh, quite a lot the last three weeks, in which he, he titles The Prodigal God. And today, I want to argue That if we go back and try to retitle Luke chapter 15, it really should be the parable of the prodigal father. What does prodigal mean? Does it mean that you're lost? Prodigal actually means this according to the dictionary. It means spending money or resources freely and recklessly. Wastefully extravagant. Another definition is this. Having or giving something on a lavish scale. Well, we could say that the younger son was lavish in his spending or maybe extravagant or reckless. But I think the most reckless person in this story in his giving is the father. Timothy Keller argues in The Prodigal God that this is not about a kid who spends a lot. It's about a God who lavishly and recklessly and maybe even wastefully lavishes His love on His children. That's what Luke 15 is really about. How does the story end? And this is the greatest part. The younger son had pig poop on the outside and the older had it on the inside. Both of them weren't allowed in the house without the invitation. But the father said to both the younger and the older, welcome home. And he would add to the older brother, I welcomed your brother and I welcome you too. This next week, we're going to be talking about a special feast that takes place that we are all invited to. And if you realize the invitation is for you, it's very humbling. If you realize that that invitation spreads out to the people who you love, you're very excited. And so as you think about communion and the great feast this coming week, I want you to realize there has been an invitation written directly to you and to all the people that you love. An opportunity to gather around the table to gather at the feast. And that's an invitation that we offer to you today. There is a place at the table and the Father says, welcome, welcome, home, no matter where you've been, how far you've been, or how close you were. If you're standing just outside the door and say, I don't deserve it, or maybe you're struggling with he doesn't deserve it, God says, you're welcome in. Come and join us. Come to the feast. And that's the invitation we offer to you this morning as we stand and sing. Come to the feast.